Meow, 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 Welcome to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish and things that smell like fish. That is always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Jerry Hamza, the author of Outdoor Chronicles, an extremely well-written book about life in a backdrop of uh, hunting and fishing and uh, you need to buy the book you need to talk to your relatives into buying the book so that I can keep fishing here are the nerds Dave and Clayton hello I'm Dave and I'm Clay <laughs> and it's a good bet oh I got it it's a good <laughs> Welcome to the. <laughs> it's a good bet that on tonight's show we're going to say one or more of the seven dirty words that you can't say in a podcast. Dave, you know what those words are? For those, uh, there's none. It's a podcast. <laughs> we can say whatever we want to say, but uh, we're very excited tonight about the guest. So we're going to get on with the show. Jerry Hamza's written a book. Yay! Yay! It's an. <laughs> it's called Outdoor Chronicles. True Tales of Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. Uh, he's fished every continent except Antarctica. And for 30 years, an- another interesting bit about him, for 30 years, he was part of the management team and a good friend of comedian George Carlin. Uh, Jerry was also awarded Fly Rod and Reel's Robert Traver Award in 2014. Jerry, welcome to the Fish Nerds. Hey, what a cool show. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Well, we're really happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. We know how busy you are being a big-time author. Um, But we did notice something kind of funny. Um, I was doing a lot of Googling about you, trying to figure out, you know, what you're all about. And I couldn't help but notice that you've already been on a bunch of other fishing radio shows and podcasts. Um, Why are we last? Uh, You have to talk to my publicist about that. (laughs) He said something about saving the best for last. (laughs) <laughs> oh, nice save. Very yeah, good. good one. <laughs> nice, nicely done. Um, fishing and writing. Why, in your opinion, do you think they are a good match? Uh, you know, because writing is about telling a story and who tells better stories than fishermen? Yeah, that's true. You no, know, we, we, we always stretch the truth and make things interesting. And that's what writing's about. Yeah, so so to include the words "true tales" in the title that that's fairly controversial. Yeah, it, it is. It it is. Um, I had nothing to do with the title of the book. Oh, really? How how did the title come about? Um, the, the Skyhorse said, "This is the title of your book." I said, "Okay, <laughs> deal. Okay, done." God, you got to publish my book. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the title I wanted is. Uh, is actually the title of the first story. I, I wanted to uh, call it Prose to Poetry in Other Stories of the Outdoors, but um, they're pretty good at what they do. They made a valid point saying that uh, guys who hunt and fish aren't going to buy a book whose title's got prose and poetry in the first line, so I, I get it. I, I thought that the uh, that their that their pitch for would be like a check. And so here's money, and you're like, oh, okay, well, whatever you want to call it, you can. Well, it, you know, <laughs> that, that's basically it. It's not even the check. It's so hard to get uh, published these days that as an author, you you know, you're very grateful and amenable. You know, this, this is a lifetime of stories. 
but you didn't write these as they were happening. You kind of put, put together more recently. What, what's that writing process like? What's recalling these stories like? What's it like digging into your past and going, oh, remember that time, you know, and pulling it all together? What's that process like for you? Um, you know, I don't know how other people write. I, you know, you know, I just don't talk about it. Um, but for me, the, the writing process is, uh, it's mostly done in my head before I even put my fingers on a keyboard. I, by the time I'm sitting there and I'm writing the story, uh, you know, and I'm touching the keyboard, uh, I already know what I'm going to say. It's all, all written in my head. And the process before then is just recalling something, and then knitting it together in a way where, um, you know, it becomes the story you want to tell. Um, the hard part, there was a hard part. Um, I was stuck on, uh, there's, there's a story called Wana Niche, and I just I couldn't get the end the way I wanted to. And then um, I'd lost my sister while I was writing that story. And I don't know why, but I started thinking about her. And then the end of the story came to me and it came together in a way I was very pleased. So I, I dedicated that story to her. I want to try something a little bit different now. Given the backstory that Jerry gave us on his story, Wana Niche, in Outdoor Chronicle, I felt like it would be important for people to hear a little bit of his writing. So I'm going to read the last two paragraphs of Wananish. By the way, Wananish is a landlocked Atlantic salmon. Uh, and it's what they call it up in Canada, I think Quebec. So here are a few paragraphs, the ending actually, of Wananish from Jerry Hamza in Outdoor Chronicles. I lay on my back at the end of the long dock. I wait for the darkness to envelop my persona. As the lights fade and the sky darkens, the sky is so clear. You can feel the heat of the day radiate away. In the unusual clearness, the stars twinkle and radiate. Without the light pollution from civilization, the Milky Way just glows like a hot iron fresh from a blacksmith's fire. It is a moonless night, but dark would be a wrong adjective. The air is so crisp, there is more than a hint of autumn in it. I feel plugged in. The wolves begin to sing. You can hear the joy in their chorus. They feel it too. For some reason, the words from a Walt Whitman poem come into my mind. I sing the body electric. I feel it. The singing of the body electric. My senses seem to heighten. I am alive. As if on cue, the aurora starts. The sheets and waves of yellow, green, and blue. The wave of the dance of the northern lights. Building an intensity, the red of the color spectrum joins the dance. I am venerable and vulnerable on the altar of the universe. If God isn't here, he isn't anywhere. In awe of the sensory overload, my ears pick up a noise. It is a splash in the water. Then another and another. I stand to see the cause. On the water, the image of the northern lights is broken up by rings everywhere. As if only for me, some sort of feeding frenzy is going on. I quietly grab my rod and tie on a size six atoms. 
As soon as it hits the water, I feel the take and set the hook. It is a good fish. What is it? In moments, I land a beautiful and large brook trout. I smile with delight. I slip him and many others back into the colored waters. Each trout I hold, I feel the electric body. In time, I feel the need to take a break. I set my rod next to me and lay back and watch the sky once more. The following morning, I'm awakened by the guide, Remy. Did you sleep here all night? He asks in broken English. I must have dozed off, I say and smile. He sees the rod and the big dry fly and stops for a minute. Did you see God? I did, I say. What are your three top moments in the fishing process? So that can be, you know, the cast or getting ready or, you know, tying on whatever. Could you could you just share with other anglers your three favorite moments in the fishing process? My first my three favorite moments. uh, The first moment I love is, uh, you know, that moment in the morning on a, uh, you know, before you make that first cast and you, you're breathing in that cool, crisp air and you're just surveilling everything you see and it just all starts to come together. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a process. It's a whole, a whole, you know, visual tactile thing. Uh, my second favorite thing is I, I've, I've really become a fly fishing junkie in years. As, as time goes on, I, I do other kinds of fishing less um you know the the second favorite thing is uh to see a top water take i just that just gets me going and then uh the 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 third one would be the the sound of uh backing coming off my reel <laughs> oh, that's great and you know if if you need to get that hit you could just tie that to a tree and drive drive down the road and you could still get that sound so if oh it's perfect yeah i know so there yeah, just Tie it to your wife. <laughs> well, my, my wife is very little, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, five weight then or four weight, yeah. something like that. And she, she's a four weight. Yeah, okay. yeah perfect. Nice. It, it's the right answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, in your book, you do a chapter on steelhead, um, and, and you, you describe the story fishing Lake Ontario, uh, and you kind of go into this kind of three stooges routine, fumbling down the river, uh, losing the fish. I just, I just spoiled the whole book. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, but, it, but that story you tell in that chapter about how you never see the fish, that spoke to me because when I'm fishing and I get a big fish and I lose it, the stories get bigger. Can you tell us like, uh, how you decide to like, write a story about the one that got away? Is it a classic move or is it something that you had really specifically wanted to talk about? Um, well, it, it was part of that story. It was part of that experience. And, and there's also something to it that uh, that feeds into why people fish. You know, it's that unknown giant out there that, you know, we touch once in a while, the, the great white whale, uh, you know, you come into contact with and we don't always win. If we did, you know, this would be a far less fun uh, sport. Do you think so? 
If you if you caught fish every single time, would you have less fun? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, if, <laughs> if, if if there wasn't that um, that that mystery, that that unexplained, uh, unknown, uh, mm-hmm. the the chance at history, the chance at you know, and when I say history, it can be your own personal history, the biggest fish you ever caught, um, just just you know, beyond the imagination, you know, we go. You know, you, if you go fishing the Delaware River and and oh, and somebody told you the biggest fish in there was eight inches, um, that that would be a lessened experience. True. Yeah. yeah. Plus, we all lose fish. I think it's a you know it's that. Uh, you, you know what's funny about that too is that I, I one time I was up in Canada, and I just had a hellacious hit. It just popped me so hard and. And took the lure and everything, and I was like, uh, back at camp, holy cow, that must have been the giant of all time. Well, I fished the same spot the next day and caught a fish with my lure in its mouth. And it was about 22 inches. Uh, it just ruined everything. I know. In a way, that illuminates the magic of that fish, you know, not seeing it. It can be anything. Yeah, sometimes you're better off not catching the general. Just, <laughs> yeah, the just knowing is out there is good enough. But. In your in your book, you also have a small smallmouth fishing um, section, and yeah. in it, you briefly mention ice fishing. Now, ice fishing is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, you the didn't, best. you know, we we were hoping for a whole chapter on it, um, but so now now we're faced with asking you the question: What is your opinion on ice fishing? Um. I think it's a great place for guys who are married to women they don't enjoy to get away from them and get drunk. Oh, Ouch. oh, oh. that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, yeah, we're, we're we're not in that camp, uh, but uh, we we do like to do the ice fish. But we know those guys, so we definitely know those guys, and we know the uh, the ice shanties that you're talking about. Well, so. I think I think that's so. There's there's the traditional ice fishing, and I think Jerry, you've nailed it with. With that, but modernized fishing is way different than, than that. Much more dynamic, much more fun, much more life friendly and comfortable. So no one's uncomfortable, no one's cold. But I do agree. Sometimes we fish to get away from our wives, but that's why we get up early. Not because the fish bite early, but because if we leave before our wives wake up, then we can leave without having to do chores. Well, so. you know, it's <laughs> funny that you mention that because I'm writing a story right now that uh, talks about. Not going home and avoiding the honeydew jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. It's very. You have a jar. Not me. No, not me. I've known guys. We, you know, enough uh, where we started calling it the honey screw jar. Honey screw. <laughs> cool. I also like in that chapter you talk about you starting you're starting out as a, in your fishing career as with your Zebco rod and reel combo. Uh, and I think what angler can't remember their first Zebco? And just a quick trivia: What Zebco stand for? Um, some sort of company, Zeb's company. <laughs> Zeb's company. No, we did a show on this. It's a zero-hour bomb company. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't, we don't fly fish often, but when I'm fishing, fly fishing, it's not trout. It's smallmouth bass and largemouth bass. That's those are my favorite two fish to get on a fly, especially during the spawn. Yeah. So when I was reading that chapter, I'm like, yeah, those taking the top water, getting getting the hitting those streamers is great. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I I, I really love smallmouth bass on the fly. I think they were made for each other. I agree. 
Yeah, really awesome. You know, Jerry, if you want more challenge with your ice fishing, just try to do it with fly fishing. So, you know. I, I did it once, but it took till April to thaw out. No, right. <laughs> right. Well, it's just hitting the hole is the hard part. But yeah. uh, well, um, I, I've got a lot of kids, so not so hard for me. No. <laughs> so we call our listeners the Fish Nerd Nation, and uh, on our Facebook page. We asked the we told people we were interviewing you, and are there any questions? And Josh Porter chimed in, and he says, "Does he have any good fishing stories from his days with George Carlin?" Um, I do. Um, in the book, "Catch the Blue Train" is a is one of those kind of stories, but there are no fishing stories with George. George was not a we you know he we went fishing one time. Um, you know, he, you have to remember, he was uh, born in Hell's Kitchen, and his idea of going outside was going to the baseball stadium and watching <laughs> the, the Mets play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I, I Googled this to try to figure out, did, he, did you and him, he fished together? Because I was trying to imagine what that was like. And the only thing I find about George Carlin fishing was he had that quote, um, and I lost it, Dave. Uh, he had the quote that said, uh, Teach a man to fish. I mean, feed a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll sit around and drink beer all day. And that's <laughs> yeah. all I could find, yeah, yeah. find on that. He, he was not, uh, you know, like I said, he was a New York City boy. So, um, you know, the outdoors was uh, Central Park or going to the baseball stadium. Uh, we, we went blue fishing once. We had a mutual friend that lived in Cape Cod, and uh, – he, he couldn't get his head around it. <laughs> oh, that's too bad because you know, that's good fishing for that. That's some great fishing. Gosh, did you catch any fish? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he still didn't get it. Well, he, you know, he I, I, you know, I shouldn't say that he didn't totally get it, but uh, he never wanted to do it again. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, the, the price of genius, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we all like our, you know, we, we all have our, our, our loves going directions. You know? Sure. Uh, another listener, Ryan Dubay. Uh, asked, how about, uh, are there any stories he wished you uh, got into the book that didn't make the cut? Yeah. Um, there was, it's one of, it was a story I really liked. It's, uh, it was called A River Ruined It. <laughs> and, um, you know, in my life, uh, I looked at fishing, fly fishing, especially as having a, uh, before the movie and after the movie, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, McLean wrote this wonderful book, A River Runs Through It, and then Robert Redford put it on the screen, and it translated so well. Yeah. And uh, but uh, the sport changed. All the all the yuppies and you know the baby boomers who didn't have a soul, all of a sudden saw this <laughs> soulful thing on the screen and, and invaded our uh, our sport. And, I, you know, I talk about that, and um, one of the things I talk about was, you know, how the evil Orvis corporate types took advantage of it and really fueled that fire. And it was sort of a social and introspective piece, and uh, uh, Skyhorse wouldn't wouldn't publish it because they, they publish all of Orvis' stuff. Oh, so. <laughs> Go prove me wrong on the evil empire thing, you know. Uh, you know, Orvis has one of the uh, top fishing podcasts also. 
top rated show. So yeah, I'm okay with taking down the big man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I call them more of his assholes. I hope uh, I'm in a lot of trouble, but I don't think he will. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, well, also, they're, they're, they're those guys that look like they stepped out of a catalog all the time. They did. <laughs> you know, I know. And they, like nothing is scuffed or muddy or anything like yeah, that. I, you know, I don't even want to stand next to them guys. <laughs> I'm afraid they'll get on me. I, I just can't afford to stand next to those guys. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine you breathed on my waders? Oh, man. <laughs> they keep handing me their keys and expecting me to park their cars. That's my problem. Well, you know what you do? You take the keys. You just steal the car. Yeah, there you go. That's a win-win. They get the insurance payout. You get a car. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Ryan also asked, do you have advice for somebody who would uh, like to author a book about the outdoors? Um. Don't do it. <laughs> but other than that, it, look, if you feel – if you think you're going to get rich doing it or make money doing it, you're not. Mm. You, this has to be something you you love and it has to be a labor of love and something you just have to do regardless. The other practical advice I can give you is that in today's world, print – you know, books, especially print media, but books, especially um, everything is pared way down. So they don't have the staff they used to. So when you go to submit something to be published, you got to make sure that sucker's tight as can be. Hmm. Wow. So they, yeah, they, they just don't have enough people to do all the. Yeah. So if it's not tight, if it's not proofread, if it doesn't read well, if you think they're going to clean it up for you, they're not even going to look at you. Mm, wow. Good to know. That's really good advice. That is, that is, that is good to know. I know. You could be Hemingway and it, it won't work. <laughs> you know, the, the print media newspaper folks, too. I, I run into a lot of newspaper reporters. They are so sad these days. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so the <laughs> newspaper print people, they're just dropping like flies. Well, well, you know, the the Internet, electronic media has a lot to do with it, but that's – you know, I got nothing against the. You know, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways, but I, I'm sad to see. Um, I guess the byproduct of it is that, you know, the world is starting to become a real soundbite world. We expect to to be able to master or or get our head around a concept in 12 seconds, and that's just not reality. Wow. And so, you know, the discipline it takes to sit down and read a book, it, it, it's good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jerry, you're you're well on your way to curmudgeon status. I hope you uh, <laughs> hope you're happy with that because you're on it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy. With it. I, I, you know. That's great. There's I, nothing wrong with that. I like no, curmudgeon. Totally good. You need to find you know, yourself. If I, can, if I can sit in front of a keyboard and type with a you know a nice glass of uh, single malt and a cigar, and you know, I, I have a very cute wife. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What else does a guy need besides a, you know, a little fishing, a little hunting, and uh, and some whiskey and, and and tobacco? Yeah. Sounds like you won. So that's all great. <laughs> ATF, my friends. ATF. ATF. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms is the key to happiness. Who knew? Who knew? Well, that's why they have a bureau. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> nice. All the important things do. Yeah, you're right. Ah, see, that's my problem is I don't smoke or shoot things. So. Oh, yeah. You got to work yeah. on that. I think it's cool. I just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, Jerry, we always like to end our interviews with uh, a quiz. And uh, we always like to customize these quizzes on the fish nerds. And this quiz is a catfish quiz because in your bio, it indicates you were once the president of Cat Fanciers Association. Yeah. Yeah, I have a... Go, go ahead. I was going to tell a catfish. <laughs> Bring it. Oh, you, you I probably should. No, you should. <laughs> You now have to. Now you have to. Okay, all right. Well, knowing that I'm mostly Italian in heritage, I it's sort of uh, self-depreciating. What, <laughs> what's the difference between an old Italian woman and a catfish? Oh, my God. What? Uh, <laughs> one has whiskers and smells, and one's a fish. Oh! <laughs> oh. That's yeah. the best thing ever... humor you asked for. Yeah. All right. yeah. <laughs> All right. You remember, I spent 30 years with George Carlin. I, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Funny. Uh, so the quiz is called Catfish Fancy or Fanciful. And what it is is we have these statements that are, you know, the kind of things you would hear on a trivia game or something like that. And they're all catfish-based. Um and your job is to just say, is it catfish fancy, meaning it's true, or is it fanciful, meaning it's false? Okay. Very good. Yeah, but you have to say catfish fancy or catfish fancyful because that's... Oh, thanks, guys. Because that's the kind of guys we are. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you were, you were once, you know, the president. Is there a certain song or anything they play when you enter a room as the president? Uh, just, you know, just the uh, theme song to the play Cats. Oh, Nice. <laughs> I, I figured it was like meow, 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 It actually was a good gig because I got to travel the world. I, I I spent a lot of time in Asia from that. I ended up doing a lot of fishing in, you know, in, in Japan and Asia, which was really cool. It's uh, You can't imagine. Well, in Japan, uh, micro fishing and tenkara fishing is very popular. Fishing for tiny fish with tiny hooks and stuff. Did you get did you do that? Um, I, I didn't, I, I, you know, Tenkara is, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys that are into it. I, I just really badly, um, you know, the, there's some ancient, uh, well, cherry salmon. I, I did some fly fishing for cherry salmon and that was something I always wanted to do. So, um, I spent as much time as I could chasing that down. Wow. I've never even heard of those. No, it's a new one for me. Wow. Is it, just, it tastes just like cherry. <laughs> wow. Cherry baby cherry. Never. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, all right. So <laughs> uh, oh, the first question. This baby. <laughs> oh, you're fine. All right. Now, what do I got to say? Cat fanciful or? So cat fancy would be true. Cat okay. fancyful would be false. Okay. All right. Go ahead. All right. There are about 3,000 species of catfish in the world. Uh, cat fancy. Yeah, you're right. It's actually 3,093 as of 2007. And I think they've probably added, you know, let's say probably another 10 or so. But yeah, there are a zillion. It is in the order of animals. It is somewhere between second or third most diverse vertebrates. So there you go. A lot of them. Uh, so that's one. Good. Clay, Good. you got the next one. Oh, sure. Uh, catfish are covered with taste buds. So when you hold one, it's tasting your hand. Uh, I'm going to also go with uh, a fancy cat, catfish fan. <laughs> Good. Yeah, winner. Uh, yes. This is too easy, Dave. I know. I know. They get harder. They get harder. Uh, catfish in Botswana 
hunting packs. So like wolves. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's catfish fanciful. Oh, that now you're a loser on that one. The, uh, it's the sharp-toothed catfish and the blunt-toothed catfish. Well, and there goes my Botswana catfish career. That's it. Well, you know, for someone who's fished the entire world, every continent except for Antarctica, you should know this. I, I, you know what? I'm getting old though, too. You got to take into account senility. You really do. All right, uh, the most feared. Fish on Earth. A small parasitic catfish called the Candiru swims up the urethra of humans and lodges in the bladder. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a catfish fancy. No, it's false. It's false? It is false. (laughs) Then that guy on TV, he's no good. Oh, Jerry Jerry Wade? Yeah, the one Uh, that fishes for all the uh, weird stuff. He's a goddamn liar. (laughs) He is. Yeah. I'm calling his mother. You should. You should. Yeah. I used to date her, but not anymore. Not after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm saying, yeah, that, that is something I've always heard of. And uh, it's published all over the place. And like you said, the river monster guy put it in there. Uh, but when you do the research, there's actually lots of controversy. And they say, no, that's not really the case. The, the incidences of that happen, they've been proven wrong. And it, it is parasitic in that it'll swim up the um, – into the gill covers of other fish and eat the gills out and do those kind of things. But this idea of swimming up, uh, you know, urethra is no. So. It's disappointing, though, kind of. It, it is very di- – that, that's, that's where I thought you were going. It's like, oh, I'm disappointed because it's, you know, it's fake. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. teach us You just on. wrecked Jerry's worldview. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you'll have to rock me to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hold me. Uh, Clay, number five. Oh, I just I just went. No, you didn't. Okay. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. Uh, catfish <laughs> ears are connected to their swim bladders. Mm. Catfish fanciful? It's catfish fancy. It's true. And uh, that's one of the reasons they're very vocal. You know, if you ever catch a catfish, they squawk and squeak and do all sorts of things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a special set of bones that actually connects the ears to the swim bladder. So it's like a guitar... Uh, you know, amplifying thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. June 25th is National Catfish Day in the USA. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> June 25th is National Catfish uh, I'm Day. I'm going to go catfish uh, fanciful. No, it really is. <laughs> Do these people have anything better to do? You could have Everything's a day for got anything. A day. Yeah, for anything. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for National Broken Condom Day. Ah, that happened in 2007. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. Yeah. Uh, Her name is Zoe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the last question, I think this is probably for all the all the marbles here. Uh, mm-hmm. Egypt's first pharaoh, King Narmer, translates to catfish chiseler. Uh, and the name is likely for the electric catfish that is common in the Nile River in Africa. Oh, that has to be true. <laughs> it is true. Yay! Yay! You win. You yeah. win. The, uh, yeah. When you couldn't pronounce the name correctly, I knew it was true. <laughs> when we practiced, I I was aware of it. I know. I, I screwed it up. But uh, <laughs> it, it does make sense that, you know, primitive people, when they pick up a catfish and it shocks them, they're going to make some something out of that. You know, I mean, that must be freaky. Uh, 
But um, but anyway, so you win. Congratulations. Okay. What what do, what do I win? Oh, uh, <laughs> wonderful <laughs> things. You, you know. <laughs> oh. you, you know what? You get to uh, you get one more chance to pitch your book on the Fish Nerds podcast. So how oh. can people find your book? Outdoor Chronicles, True Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing by Jerry Hamza. You can find it at uh, the usual places, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, I also have a website, uh, jerryhamza.com. If you want to get a signed copy, that's a, a good place to, to get one. You you can tell me how you want me to sign it. Uh, you know, to you guys like the book? I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, yep. It's a, you know, I think it's a, a nice book that you, you know, you can pick up and put down. It's not something that you're going to, if you lose your place, you're going to go crazy with. It's a good, easy reading book, and I think it'll make a great gift for Christmas. Yeah, and there's a bunch of our fans on our Fish Nerds uh, podcast group who have announced they're planning on buying the book. And the copy you sent me, I'm actually going to give to one of them oh, after, cool. after I finish it. I've only read four chapters of it so far. I will get them that copy so that they can have it. Probably give it to Ryan, Ryan Dubay because he says the most at every show we do. So I might just give it right to him. <laughs> uh, but I like it, and I always love giving books away after I read them too because I, like, I think books are about sharing. So for me, that yes, yes. yeah, well, that's you, the you, you know, especially magazines. <laughs> especially and for for winning the quiz, we'll also send you some Fishner decals. So there, there you go. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll put them on the police cars in my neighborhood. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's great. Well, Jerry, Jerry Hamza, thanks so much for being on the Fish Nerds podcast. It was really, it was really great. It was fun. I had fun, guys. Huh. I had fun. Jerry Hamza, what a sincere, nice guy. Very. He's like a grumpy grandpa. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And you can tell as he's talking, there's there's these moments where he's like opening up this 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 treasure chest of like life experience. And you're like, I thought you were going to say there's some time where he loses patience with us. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was both of those things. Yes. But um, no, I, I I really liked him. Really appreciated his sincerity when it came to the writing and uh, the storytelling thing. Yeah. I, th I thought that was that was really awesome. So. And, and a very accessible guy. So if you happen to be reading his book and you have a question, you can reach out to him. It sounds like he'll get right back to you. Uh, if you want a book signed, send him a message. He'll sign a book, mail it to you. Yeah, I've got so. a feeling he would, he would you know, start a conversation. Like, if you just want to talk to somebody, I have a feeling he would talk to you. I got a feeling, too. Yeah. Yep. So. so nice guy. Heck of a nice guy. Yes. And uh, you um, can find a link to his book at fishnurse.com and all of our social media of course. And also on those show notes, you'll see the short list of uh, favorite fishing writing uh, from both of us. I have a list of two or three that I like, and, and Clay does too. So we'll put that on there as well, sort of the uh, fish nerds recommendations in terms of lit literature and fishing. fishing. Lit. Yes. Or, or in my case, illit. <laughs> <laughs> And that is it. That's it. You've listened to several fish nerds when you should have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that middle-aged guys do. If you would like to support the fish nerds, go to patreon.com and search for the fish nerds and help us crowdfund this show. 
And special thanks to Jerry Hamza for coming on the show and talking about his new book, Outdoor Chronicles, True Tales of a Lifetime of Hunting and Fishing. You can get him at jerryhamza.com. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get.